It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So hello and welcome back to Rock and Roll. At first, I promised her a better introduction every week after last week, but she also promised me a peep show quote every episode. And that, what are you going to do? You haven't, done, you haven't delivered, neither am <laughs> I. How are you doing, Patricia? I'm good, thanks. And our guest this week is Korea's take name from England to Wales to France to America and back to England again. Aaron Jarvis is here. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm great, thank you. Uh, first question is a quite an important one. As a Welsh rugby player, what drink are you launching? Is it coffee, rum, coffee, <laughs> rum? What, what, what's on the agenda? If I was going to launch anything, it'd, it'd be coffee or tequila. Oh, tequila. See, now this is an untapped market within Welsh rugby. No one else is doing tequila. Well, I like a tequila. In, in, in America, for that, for that six months, literally, it was either a Dos Equis beer, which was nice, or tequila. And tequila... I got properly into it over there, like not doing tequila slammers, like proper tequila drinks, and yeah, it's very good. Well, listen, my my cousin's uh, married to a Mexican, and so she's tried to give us this education of tequila isn't a really crap drink that burns your throat. It's like a really nice you can drink yeah. it properly, and then she comes over you, and then all the tequilas you buy got little plastic sombreros on top. So <laughs> it's it's lost on me. Uh, Patricia as well a chance to talk about the huge game that kicked the weekend off a team in form ahead of a World Cup impressive victory against the stream struggling for form a massive disappointment for me Portugal Poland one side of the field yes <laughs> um, if I was Wales I'd be pretty fucking terrified of the fact that I'm in the same World Cup pool as Portugal to be quite <laughs> honest because I think you could put Portugal out against Wales this weekend and they'd beat them <laughs> Well, you did try and you tried to create a bit of spice, knowing that I'm of Polish heritage. You're, you're Portuguese. We, you tried to create a bit of spice. It lasted about ten minutes before we realised that there, there was no any sort of competitive edge to be had in that game. No, there was. I was like, oh, we can manufacture some beef. You know, we had Ireland Wales last week, and we can have Poland Portugal this week. Munster are playing Scarlet in a few weeks. Like we can just be at war for like a month and a half now, and then Poland just decided, no, no, thank you. 
I, the problem we've got, you've gone Portugal against Poland, Ireland against Wales, Munster against Scarlets. That's not competition, that's bullying, Patricia. Aaron, <laughs> <laughs> uh, new guest, so new guest, we'd like to do a little bit called Getting to Know You, which is just some quick fire questions. It's either or, pretty much one word answers. Okay. So are you happy to, to run the game? Yeah, let's go for it. It's easy enough. So first off, Swansea or Claremont? Oh, Claremont. Uh, tight head or loose head? Tired. Dragons or jackals? Dragons. South Wales or Southwest? Oh wow. <laughs> oh. South Wales, I think. Oh I'll take that. Uh URC or top fourteen? Top fourteen. Bath or shower? Shower. And the all important final question what's the best biscuit? Custard cream. Oh, I'll take custard cream. As underrated yeah. biscuits of custard cream. Yeah. Very underrated. The only answer I've been unhappy with so far was Steel Cornell, who said Jammy Dodger. And I've called him out on it a few times since. That's not a biscuit. That's, it's, oh, it's a terrible biscuit. The biscuit always stale. The jam is too yeah. sticky. It's not a good biscuit. Um, <laughs> I will say that like, we do get easily derailed and go off on tangents. So feel free to drag me back in if you think it's gone too far. <laughs> Uh, a couple of quick questions. A big career, as we said, you went from from Ospreys. You've been out to France. You played for Bath. You went to Dragons. Big one for us. Obviously, you got your your Wales call up. Having played age grade rugby for England, was it an hard decision to make when you you got that call? No, not at all. Um, so it all come up. It's very. I always knew of my Welsh heritage growing up. Like my nan was from Merthyr. She's a very passionate Welsh woman. Um, and then it sort of just. It sort of just happened to me signing for the Ospreys. I played against the Ospreys for Bath a couple of times and happened to play really well. And Jonathan Humphreys at the time, he was an ex-Bath player. He was a force coach of the Ospreys and he was good mates with some of the Bath boys. And they said, oh, do you know, do you know Jarvis actually was qualified? And literally it happened like that, just boom. And then, yeah, obviously I wanted to go to the, go to the Ospreys because I was I was jumping up the order. I wasn't, no longer I was my third choice. I was going there to be second choice. And it sort of just snowballed from then. And someone asked you to play, like, Never going to turn that opportunity down, and yeah, it's inc- incredible memories from doing it. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't change it. What What is your best memory in a in a Wales shirt or anyway? Uh, so in a Welsh shirt, you know, remember the Wales Island game where we defended for thirty two phases and then defended for another twenty eight. So I was actually on the bench that game, and Samson Lee ruptured his Achilles in like the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, and when you sat on the bench as a as a as a Front row replacement and something you know you've, you've got the rest of the game to play. You're just like, oh shit, here we go. It happened, <laughs> it happened to be an international game, yeah. And just that that game in particular, and then top fourteen final for for Claremont. That was that was just ridiculous. It was incredible, yeah. And then yeah. the the party afterwards, rolling into Claremont on the, on the train the next day, train from Paris to Claremont, and then getting to Centre Jordan. There's fifty thousand people there waiting for you. It's just yeah, it's just in, insane, absolutely insane. I think especially with Claremont, like for all of us watching from up here, it had been like just wanted Claremont to do it. Like it was, it always seemed to be Claremont that were the team that were there, but not quite doing it. Yeah. And I remember watching that final and just being like so happy for Claremont just to be like, they finally did it. It's the fact that we lost the Champions Cup final two weeks before as well. Yeah. So that was like a real high to get there. And then like that. Uh, just that real bad low like you're in a real funk and then we actually got around as a group of boys 
and we had a load of beers together and sort of just moved past it really quickly. And a good old drink always does that. And then, yeah, we're literally on to the, the next one. I think it was semi-final the week after. So to go from that real, real low of losing a Champions Cup final, um, which they've, again, lost a couple of times in the final, I believe. And then, yeah, mm. to have an opportunity two weeks' time to play in the final to get back. Yeah, it's just good memories. Great stuff. Uh, obviously, then you made the the leap into coaching yourself. You had a few good coaches during your career. Who's the, who's the best coach you've worked with? I've been asked this a few times. So I really like John O'Gibbs. I thought John O'Gibbs was, a, was fantastic. Um, I know he's just actually been five years left one, but he was he was <laughs> he was incredible. Um, Michael Foley early on in my career, yeah, really helped me when I was at Bath. Again, Jonathan Humphreys was great for me. Uh, you know, first coach to really believe in me, I think, and I think that really helped. You know, like you're going through your career and you're unsure. You're a young man trying to break through and never really sure if a coach believes you or not. And then he really did. And I think that really moved me to the next level. Um, so those three, yeah, probably probably the easiest to... Yeah. All forward coaches as well. So, yeah. Was, yeah, they were, they, were, they were brilliant for me. All of them. That's front row union that carries on. All forwards coaches. <laughs> universally, all of them. Um, I know at the Dragons, sort of when, when you were there as well, uh, people were very excited about Rio Dyer coming through. And yeah. obviously starting to shine now in a at club level and international level is there a point as a court at which you know a player's special that the player's got something oh yeah you could see with Rio just the way he carried himself in, in training like even if it was grab shoulders on he was just, he's so physically strong so what people don't realise he is so strong he's quite he's lean he's he's not he's not massive yeah but how he punches so high, high, much higher than his body weight like he's yeah he you knew he was special. There's a, there's another couple others there. There's I'll give him a shout out. Ryan Woodman, the under twenties captain now. So I yeah. had him when I started coaching Dragons under sixteens, and you could see it from straight away. As soon as he played, you're like, this kid's got something. So that Dragons are in a good place in terms of their young players. There's a few really good ones there. So yeah, they, I think they keep building and keep keep those young players together over a period of time. They could really change their fortunes. Yeah, as far as academies go, I think really successful in terms of yeah. results as well, as well as bringing players through. They've always done really well. It's just finishing that, getting them to finish their development and not playing the first team too young. Yeah, um, that's that's a, I think that's a big big one. I think pushing. It's always been the case of the Dragons. They've always been there, you know, trying to build, trying to build, and then you get these really good young players, and they get they're playing first team straight away, really young, and it's not like you're. Say Dick Leinster, for example, where they have a conveyor belt of good young players, but they almost have three squads. So these players aren't playing every week, and they get to finish their development, finish their physical development. So I think, yeah, that's there, there's definitely a lot of talent in, in that region. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've done a bit of coaching you and in America. Are there any major differences, and if so, what are the biggest ones between? Okay, so I've never seen so many athletically gifted players that. Are- Ever that I saw in America, like it is ridiculous, the athletes they have. Yeah, the big thing for American rugby is they get they take the spot quite late. They tend to take it up like 16, 17, 18 years old. Some of them older, and they've been like, well, for example, there's a guy I think he's just gone back to the XFL, XFL now in America. He's a tight prop, and if uh, Henry Trinder listens to this, he's probably going to kill me. Do you remember Henry Trinder Center? <laughs> yeah. So he lost to Tommy in a race from like. 
uh, <laughs> try line to like 10 meter line. And Tommy's 125 kilo tight prop. And Henry Trinder wasn't slow. It's just, it's scary. Like just athletic ability over there is incredible. Now what they, what they need is to get into the NCAA. So then these kids are playing rugby from a much earlier age and then they develop that rugby understanding and the way they see the game. At the moment, you've got loads of really good athletes running around that don't really have that rugby understanding as such, or they're not as their rugby IQ is not as high as someone's been say been playing for many, many more years. And they will get there. They, they definitely will get there, and they'll be a force to be reckoned with if they get in the NCAA, which is like uh, college, the College Association. Sorry, yeah, so very well. It's quite yeah. interesting because obviously for people outside the bubble, what the answer they always think is always the opposite, isn't it? Of like. Or well, they they we've got these players who are dropping out of college football, who are dropping out of athletics, and we can convert them into rugby players. Yeah. It's quite interesting to you as someone who's been there and done it, and so actually, it's the converse that I think would actually be the case. Um, you've kind of answered my next question as well because I was going to say like we've questioned whether there is actually you know a, a giant waiting to be a walking in American rugby. So do you believe there's an appetite for the game? And oh yeah, for it? yeah. Like I say, if you get them into the NCAA, so like. The American footballs and all the colleges, kids will play it from a younger age because they get scholarships. It's a whole sport so big over there because the university is so expensive. They all want to, you want to get a scholarship to get a free ride. Now, if you get rugby into the NCAA, all these kids will be playing from nine, 10, 11 years old, and they just have so much more exposure to the game. And then when that happens, they won't have a small pool of players playing in that country. It will explode. Um, it, it is. I know the league's growing year on year, and it it's getting on more national. T- uh, coverage the people you speak to when they see the game they fall in love with it because it's quite a brutal game and they like their they like their aggressive fast-paced sports so it's definitely a huge market and if they do ever wake up to it then they get like i keep saying at the ncaa 15 years of being in the ncaa they will be one of the best teams in the world there'll be no stop that just the athletes out there is incredible it's funny, Tom evans talked about a similar thing about sort of american football fans since he's been dating nicole scherzinger that he's met Americans who know that they've watched rugby with him. Although this is a better sport, this is like more exciting to watch. So yeah, maybe there maybe there's a big future ahead. Um, you're in a position of having played games at the elite level, coached at the elite level clubs. You're now part of the RFU's league structure. So a couple of weeks ago, we had the the news announcement about the lowering of the tack light in England and potentially that becoming a wider <laughs> thing. You're yeah. smiling at me already. How, how, <laughs> how do you feel about that? My big thing was, so they've said this is French data and they've said what they want to do and it improves concussions, but they haven't consulted anyone about it. They haven't consulted all the all the grassroots players that play this game. And let's be honest now, players know the risk, but they're still going to play. They still want to play the game that they love. You haven't consulted the player on it. That's That to me is fundamentally where they went wrong. And then I also look at it because I'm head of rugby at school as well, as well as coaching uh, Plymouth Albion. I've got a lad who, in year eight, so he's 12, 13 years old, he's six foot three already. Yeah. I've also got a lad in his same year group who plays rugby with him who's less than five foot. Like, I just don't see physically how it's going to work at that age. Yeah. Like, I think if they're going to lower the tackle height, go to, go to nipple first. Nipple height first, stay there for a while. Or if you're going to do, if you really want to do waste and you're going to push that agenda, then you start with under eights and you do it year on year on year from there. You don't just say, there you go, everyone. Here's, here's, here's the weight you have to tackle at the waist height. Like how, many, how many referees are going to walk away from the game? How many players that are 
in their late 30s that play the game that they love, they're just going to say, well, I'm not going to play anymore. So how many grassroots clubs are just going to fold? I, I just, yeah, I just, I don't agree with it. They, I think they should have consulted everyone. It should have been a longer consultation period. They should have shared the data that they've, they have. I still haven't seen it, but maybe it is out there. I don't know. Um, but I think it will get reversed. And I think they'll go back to nickel. I think they'll have to. Well, they've already, they're not quite sure where a waste is in the RFU. Team. I mean, they, they've yeah. changed their mind on exactly what constitutes a waste at the moment. So, yeah. Who knows where your waste could end up by the time <laughs> September rolls around. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, and then back in Wales, we've got a situation at the moment where once again we're staring down the barrel of a strike. Players talking about mental health issues and lack of security in their futures, not just in the game, but in general life. Um, uh, obviously you've got some experience of of some contract negotiations yourself, having played in Wales. Do you think this is reflective of your experience when it comes to players' contracts? Or I think it, I think it's got worse. Yeah. To be honest, I think it's always it's always a difficult. Thing to do negotiating contracts and stuff. Like that's that's why you, that's why you have agents because it's not it's not an easy conversation yeah. to have. But the way it is now and the mess it's in, it's just it's it is awful. Like I feel for all those players because one one big injury and they're done. Whereas usually everyone would be wrapped up by now. You'd be you'd, you'd be sorted for next year. And then you're you're going to get that cover. I and it's definitely going to affect your performance. Like you're not going to go into a game hundred percent on it because you, you you physically can you you have worries. It's not football where you don't have a mortgage, you don't have bills to pay. And I know I know rugby players earn decent money, but it's a very short career. And yeah, I just can't believe they've let it get to this state. To be honest, it's 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 going to cause a lot more, like you say, mental health issues among, amongst the lads for sure. Yeah, and you say they they earn good money, but it doesn't really stand for much when like you you are players this week saying, "Well, actually, I can't get a mortgage. I'm playing for Wales on a Saturday." But because yeah. I don't have a long term future, so what's the point of having money? Because I can't afford to put a, a and it is, roof over my family's head. Yeah, it's difficult to get a mortgage as well. Like I know, again, you earn money but because most contracts are two years long. Mortgage companies aren't that aren't that keen on you. Yeah, the amount of questions I had, like when I was again mortgages, what are you doing after rugby? What are you doing after? And I wasn't even thirty yet. And like they, they wanted the mortgage companies wanted to know what are you doing, what are you doing, because they they know they they're not stupid. They know it's a short career and it can end at any time. So. It's a, it's a very difficult place to be. You should have pitched. Them yeah, and I think there's, idea. I think there's like a people are sort of framing it as in like rugby players do earn good money, and you know people look at it in the context of like say the Royal Mail and the trains and the nurses and stuff. And obviously rugby is not as important as any of those things, but this is people's jobs and people's families and livelihoods. And regardless of whether or not they earn what we would consider good money, they still deserve to have the security in their job that everyone deserves to have and they shouldn't be I mean hearing the people say that you know like you said I was playing for Wales on Saturday I can't get a mortgage I don't know if I'm going to have a roof over my head in fucking three months or whatever like it's insane and they're talking about strikes and stuff I like mean more power to them if they do decide to do that I think that it's just proving day on day that the WRU is 
is not fit for purpose as is. I think that's been the sort of tale of the last few weeks. It doesn't seem like it's getting any better for them. No, this time it's definitely going to have to change. And I, I can believe it. They're not fit for purpose. It's, it's, it's a shocking state of affairs to be in uh, right now. And the fact that it's only the Welsh that the game's going to suffer like in, in as a whole. It's already suffering now at a grassroots, grassroots level anyway because not as many kids are playing. So like it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's gonna, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna put us back a few years if it's not sorted. Yeah, and Patricia, you say it's been a few weeks, but it feels like the WIU have, have sort of been in our sights for a, a good few months now. Where there's always something. Like, I think we could like... go back years to be honest. When's the first time? <laughs> when's the first time they tried to merge the Ospreys with someone else? I feel like it started from yeah. there. Oh, and we haven't had a reshuffle of the of the leagues for a while as well. That's about due. <laughs> Suddenly. East League Division 4 doesn't look the way that the WIU thinks it should. Then we would do a reshuffle of that. Uh, Ari, you, you talked about sort of the way that it affects performances and mental health and not, not firing on all cylinders. So it seems like a an obvious place to dive into this weekend's games. Just gone. Uh, Will Scotland at Murrayfield. I mean, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it was a shit show, wasn't it? <laughs> It wasn't great, no. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like like I said, these things are going to affect affect the boys. That it will affect them. And yeah, it's just. It wasn't Sorry, I don't great... mean to, I don't mean to interrupt, but can I just read you a headline that was published on Wales Online about half an hour ago, just before we came on? Yeah, go on. Because it. it, it's if we want to talk about the WRU. Uh, Ealing Trailfinders could join the WRU and merge or with or replace one of the four current regions under a radical proposal that is currently being discussed. What do we think about the Ealing Ospreys? <laughs> Again, I hope that's a joke. Like, it can't be real. Surely not. Uh, the the Dragons Trailfinders. What what are we going yeah. with? What are we? Can't, yeah, that can't be true. Surely not. That's that. The no. Scarlet Trail, the Scarlet Trail Blues. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. It's just wow. But it, everything is so ludicrous at the moment. You can't even pass that off as well. That's obviously not going to happen. Like, yeah. cause, can, could you confidently say they're not looking no. at that? I couldn't. Well, I, I, I believe it was incredibly close that the Ospreys were going to move to North Wales when they a few years back. Or was it even a few years back? A year back? Yeah. And, I feel like yeah, they do was... it every year now. Yeah, but uh, from what I can gather, it was incredibly close. Like, and they were saying, no, no, but, like it was very close to happen. And and the um the merge with the Scarlet to Patricia, that, yeah. that came, that was more than just someone throwing out their There's more than, yeah, there's no was... smoke about fire, is there, let's be honest. Yeah. There's, there's probably, there probably is truth in that healing thing. They probably explored the idea, haven't they? Wouldn't put it past <laughs> it. Well, the RFU not being ones to miss out on being a shit union, like... Again, you're struggling, you're losing teams. They have said that the Wasps will be a championship team next year now. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. doubt over that. Obviously, Worcester's still up in the air. But you're thinking, like, like you need another team. At the moment, you've got a hot, an odd number of teams in a league. Yeah. Why why not give Elin a chance? Like, what what could possibly go wrong in a two-year contract? Right, mm-hmm. we'll put you there for two years and see what happens. Well, Elin didn't meet their... Elin didn't meet their stadium requirements. Yeah, but it's like, I feel like you could probably... You know, maybe lower those requirements considering all your clubs are going bust and your league yeah. has an odd number of teams and they're going to look to play in Wales. And like, the just... <laughs> probably better than better than Baths. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so shade that I'm always here for someone. I, I, I honestly think it's because they're not in the geographical right location. 
Yeah. Because it's another team in London. If it was a team somewhere where there's not much rugby, I think they'd go, yeah, go for it. And I, I think it's because uh, they've sort of made waves in the past. Obviously, they've got an owner who doesn't mind shaking the apple cart. Yeah. I, I, they don't like that as well, we know. They, they are a few don't like being challenged on anything. And I think that... I think any, any union does. We'll, we'll yeah. see now with the, the WIU. Uh, Will Scotland this week uh, summed up perfectly. In a WhatsApp group, I mean, someone said, uh, Patrol ain't the guy, which I think is harsh on Patrol. But I think the problem Will's got is we don't know who the guy is to claim like so many shirts. But the oh, reality is that, that nobody is the guy. The WIU were <laughs> fucking the game from the top down. Like Gatlin's left in 2019 without any natural replacements to some places. Like at center oh, I talk about we had players going out who were sort of banged up and taped up. Pivaks come in and try to armor square pegs into round holes. Like there's not we've got young players coming through with the regions now, but they're two, three years away. I think that that um as we've seen then this week, we've got bigger problems elsewhere as well. I think so more of my issue is the way we play the game. Yeah. So how we play. I was at the Wales Island game and I was sat behind the post and at one point in the game, we've got 14 players from the first post to the touchline and he got Rio Dias that aren't doing well himself. Like I've got more of an issue with our game plan than we have the players we have. Because I've yeah. played with those players. I've seen them play. They are all fantastic. Now, they might be low on confidence and that is a big part big part of winning games I've got more of an issue with the way we the way we play you watch Ireland play you watch Scotland play they move like it's it's entertaining to watch and oh yeah I just think Wales is playing the same game plan as 2012 when I was first there it's rugby's evolved a little bit and I don't think we have evolved as as a team in, in terms of how we play the game so it's not I think it's more of a coaching issue than than a player I, issue I, Obviously, Finn Russell's obviously looked at that of how narrow we are defensively as well because he, he made a joke of it this weekend. So the, the cross-field kicks, the way you open defences up. Then the one time we did go wide, he sort of spotted the gap in field and, and yeah. that brilliant but, offload. I, I don't want to call him Rackers because I, I watch a lot of the rugby league as well. It's a very rugby league style offload. Yeah. But he's really, whether it's him or it's whoever's coach in Scotland, they've obviously picked that out. As, as exactly that is a weakness. Yeah. And they exploited it superbly. But you can't say that some of the players that people that I've seen that are writing the guys off that aren't still good players. Like, like let's take Dan Bigger. Dan, Dan's a good mate of mine. But do you see him playing for Northampton? Like, he wasn't playing the same game plan. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, Toby and, and Tips. Like, Tips is the best player I've ever played with. And I've played with some pretty bloody good players. He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And he has one half where he's not at his best and he's bumped on. Like, it's just, I think, I think it's a game plan issue the more than a, than a player issue. I really do. And we're still going the same way, carrying the ball, trying to physically dominate teams. Not many teams play like that anymore because rugby's evolved and I don't think we've evolved with, with it. That's my personal opinion. I might get shot down by a few people that listen to this, but that's, that's what I think. No, I agree. And especially said, like, it seems like every few years we, we go through this thing of picking a player out or picking a couple out and saying, oh, it's their fault. They're past the like, tens. We've done it so regularly. I remember, like, going through it with Stephen Jones. We did it with Neil Jenkins back in the day. Miss him when they're gone. Yeah, absolutely. A bigger is still the answer. He's still one of the better. Him and Anscombe, if when Anscombe's fit, is like, I couldn't think of a better 
pair of tens to rotate in and out to bring one of those off the bench with one of them starting is I, I do think so I think a big thing's been made of him sort of shouting at Rio Dyer as well at the weekend. I think it is just the pressure coming on. I think realistically, if you're anyone who's ever played the game, if you've gone through a game and never been shouted at, you're obviously fucking yeah. fantastic. Anyone who thinks that would affect Rio doesn't know Rio. That's not going to affect him. He knew there was a... Like, he knows it's a poor pass. Yeah. that like And it is. Emotions and, I, and frustration comes out. It comes out of everyone. Like, I, I think just, it's... Kind of the two of them because the the pass isn't great, but but bigger turns his back on it a little bit yeah, as well, set in his yeah. feet. It, it's one of it's probably a case of he sh- he shouldn't have thrown it, but also he should have caught it. <laughs> and I think that and I think is... if you look at them, like it's it's probably not surprising that they're all sort of a bit. I don't know. They look like they don't want to be there, and they probably don't want to be there. And at at this point, who can blame them? Like with everything that we're hearing coming out of rugby in Wales. Like it's impossible to sort of not understand that they might be playing low confidence and sort of low ambition. Just even the way, like the body language and everything, like they were all just yeah. stood so flat and they didn't look like they didn't. They and I thought the same thing last week. They didn't look like they don't look like they're up for Six Nations games, and it's like that's sort of unusual more than anything else. But I just think that it isn't surprising, and you know, like we can't really mince our words. Like they were dog shit in this game. Like they were so bad. <laughs> They were re- like just upsettingly bad. Like, like those players are better than than what they were putting out there in that game. I yeah. think, and this, likewise with last week, except for Jaffa Jenkins, I thought he was very good. Again, yeah. he's got a huge, huge future. Yeah, there's a few of them. We have got good young players coming through. I just, again, I'll keep saying it. I think it's more of a game plan issue than it is a player issue. Um, yeah, like if that. you look at that back row, like that the age profile of that back row and the sort of that trio as a unit like was really exciting when they named the team I thought like that's a really bold call and I really liked it and if you look at those three players individually and as part of their sort of club back rows this season so much better than what they showed out there in that game and it's not an accident that these players are underperforming I guess now like they're not like if you've watched any Exeter game this season Christians has been everywhere but unbelievable and it's not the, these players are not fundamentally not good enough. That's not the issue. But no, I, definitely not. Sam Lana put a very good thread together this week on Twitter showing the pattern of the Wales attacks that I thought was absolutely superb reading. So he loves a thread, doesn't he? He does Sam. love a thread, does our Sam. I haven't seen it, so yeah. <laughs> I'll send what, it to you later as well. It it's yeah, it's very it. good. It's very good. Um and but he did he wouldn't put videos up because he said if I put videos up it's gonna get taken down which I really like <laughs> so it's such a Sam thing to do I love him um but yeah I'll send that on to you later on uh, a little bit of controversy in the game with George North it did yeah. look like he was out for us a, a few seconds do we think he should have been allowed back on well they have protocols for a reason if you pass the protocols it's a difficult one isn't it? like he's gonna want to go back on if he's passed all the tests. I don't know. I don't yeah, know I think it's easy. It's easy for us to watch a game and think that a guy should have been taken off or that he shouldn't have come back on or this or that. And like you say, the protocols are there and it looks like the protocols don't work. But then at the same time, it's sort of dangerous for us to sit here and say that we don't think the protocols are right because we're not doctors. We weren't there. We're not the ones sort of doing the tests. Yeah. So then you end up, if you're doubting them, you end up, well, anytime anyone gets hit, you're going to doubt what they're saying. Like, if, if we can just not believe what the doctors are saying, I'm just going to not believe that Tyburn's ankle is broken. Fine, everyone's happy now. So, like, 
yeah I don't know it's there's a few in every game it feels like now where you think the guys should be taken off and you always want to see them err on the side of caution especially with a player like George North who's had his history with his with head injuries but like you say if if the protocols are there and they were happy for him to go back on then you kind of have to throw your hands up and say okay fair enough yeah, I think the problem is whether the protocols were stuck to because he did look like he was out right now. Obviously, if there's any signs mm. of being knocked out, he should be taken up. But you're quite right, you know, the medical things are in place and there's doctors. If we start doubting those, there's an independent back. doctor there as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, they, they would oh, I'm not, I'm not saying it was any sort of skullduggery, I'm not saying it's sort no, of yeah. Wales bandaging and, players up and sending them back on. No, and it's not like we staff don't are fantastic see. as well. Yeah, they are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd know firsthand. Like I've been, especially when I was at, at the Dragons and the physio that's gone there now. Like I had a terrible time. I had ruptured bicep, tricep, and hamstring. And the physio from Dragons now at the WIU, and knowing the ones that are still there and the doctor, they are unbelievable. They are really good. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he was. It was fine. Back on. Yeah, like it's not uncommon for us to see. I think the thing is, it's not uncommon for us to see guys come back on and then in the sort of injury update on the Monday or Tuesday, it's that they're going through the return to play protocols. So you sort of think, well, if they're not clear to play now, why were they clear to play in the game? But that I think that's that's kind of where it comes from. But obviously you just you hope that that's not the case and and all of that. But I I think that I think that Scotland were as impressive in this game as Wales were unimpressive. Absolutely. It feels like take away from Scotland because they were playing against like Wales were so poor, but I think that Scotland are sort of winning these games, like we said last week, in a way that they haven't really been able to win before. Like there's there's so much sort of maturity to the way they're playing now. And I thought Finn Russell was incredible at the weekend, but not in the the Finn Russell way that you sort of expect him to be, just in a really like complete fly half performance. I thought that they were they're so much fun to watch as well. I just like yeah. I'm really, really impressed with them. And they they are genuine title contenders now you know like there's it's between them and Ireland for who can win the Grand Slam at this point and I'm not I'm not gonna say I, I don't want to say anything either way because I'll either annoy Irish people or annoy Scottish people but that game is massive and and why can't Scotland be you know genuine title contenders at this point as, in the same way that Wales are maybe genuine contenders for the other end of the table <laughs> I was gonna say yeah I think you, I think you're right I don't want, don't want to scare um, our friends over at the Scottish Rugby Podcast, but Ireland, uh, Scotland are shooing now, aren't they, for a Grand Slam in the World Cup? That's, that's done I, now, I think so, yeah. I think so. <laughs> um, the interesting thing with Scotland is they've always been accused of being sort of a team with three or four players who carry them through games. And I, I said last week, sort of, I didn't think Finn was overly impressive last week. And they kind of did it despite that. They sort of stepped in. Not that he had a terrible game. But mm. he wasn't to the levels of well, Finn will get us out of this hole. Then this week they did it without Hog. Obviously, he went off really early because he failed his HIA. It's kind of shown that they've they've built that depth. So they they're not a two man, three man, four man team. Actually, this is this is a team effort, and they've grown together now. Yeah, they're definitely. Yeah, and that I could be wrong, but I think the age profile of the squad they come into that age where everyone's peaking sort of at the right. As players do at the right age, like Finn, how old's Finn Russell now? He must be getting closer to 30 now, 28. You know what I mean? Like he's at that age and they have built a hell of a squad. They're not, they're not reliant on four people now. They have got a really, really good, strong squad. 
I think they're not ones for yeah they're not ones for people to sort of automatically write off anymore like you might have done in the past like I think that they're they're sort of turning into a serious team yeah I would definitely agree with that I think they're going to be around for a few years as well I don't think it's going to be one six nation one world cup I think they'll be there for a good period of time Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Uh, and then we'll move on, Patricia, to the big one, the big question yeah. as well. Ireland shooting for a grand slam and to win a world cup now, aren't they? Oh, I thought you meant Munster versus the Ospreys on Friday night. <laughs> uh, we can no, we can do we can do Ireland versus France. Um, I didn't expect that. That's well, not what I was expecting from Ireland. I I thought I said you the predictions last week. I picked Ireland to win. I didn't think they'd win that convincingly. If I'm honest, that I was that think, was bigger than I was expecting. I think for me, that's the most impressed I've been by an Ireland performance, maybe since they beat the All Blacks in 2018. Like certainly in the Andy Farrell era, I haven't been as impressed with Ireland as I have been. Like I've been quite open about the fact that I've sort of been doubting them and <clears throat> just not been fully convinced with what they're doing. And then on on Saturday, there was there was no choice but for me to be convinced by them, like they just had, they had the answers for everything that France could have possibly thrown at them. And when you're, except they could not tackle Damien Penno, like he was untackable. <laughs> I don't know what, what he lubricated himself with before the match, but he's, adamant. They just, it's adamant. Johnny knows. It's, it's other mint. Um, <laughs> but like a- anything that France threw at them, they were just composed. It was such a, one to 23 sort of complete performance and like I say like much more impressive than anything I've seen from Ireland um in in a long time for me and it was the first performance of the last sort of couple of years that's made me think you know what maybe like maybe this Ireland team are as good as they their results have been reflecting and it's nice to see a sort of a more mixed Ireland squad as well like that squad was a lot. No, and it's something that I've been banging on about. <laughs> no, it is. That's more, why I smiled. <laughs> it was much more representative of, of you know, you had Connick players starting this game. When does that ever happen? Like, fair fucks to Finley Beelham. Like, good for him, kind of thing. Beelham Barrett. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, God. That, that... The, the hands. Ty Furlong gets injured for about two games, and all of a sudden you've got Finley Beelham throwing hands like that. <laughs> Incredible. What a cute little pass that was. Like, I... I... Hugo Keenan, I think, has found form again that should probably terrify, I think, every other team because when he is playing like that, he's an incredible player. I, I don't think there's anyone, I don't think there's any fullback in the game at the moment really quite like him. And and Caelan Doris, I thought, was exceptional. Craig Casey, when he came off the bench, I really liked the, the speed that he brought to things. And sometimes when he comes on, it can be a bit frenetic. Um that speed that he brings at like his sort of natural pace on the ball, but it, it worked really, really well. I just thought that I thought France were a bit off color, but not off color enough to sort of reflect that result. Like I think that that's an Ireland 
win as opposed to France not showing up on the day. Yeah, and we always get this where with teams who end up before this sort of they're, they're off colour, they've not turned up. But I think, but again, we see an island forcing their game on people. They they've got a great mm. defensive line as we seen last week and putting people under a lot of pressure and stopping people playing that game. It so, was a very un-French performance from France. I thought they looked a bit, they looked nervous. It for the you know in a way that they that they don't often play. Like they're sort of worried about the opposition, but they—that's how it felt watching it. I mean, maybe maybe France are the team who peaked the year out from the World Cup this time. Like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But I—I I was isn't, really, isn't really. It's not a crazy Ireland. stat though. Whoever wins the Six Nation before the World Cup goes and has a terrible World Cup. There's some ridiculous stat. It might have been. It might have. Let's, the last World let's Cup go, model. Scotland Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to be fair though, I love the way Ireland play rugby. They're they're so entertaining to watch. Like you say, Finley Beelan throwing that inside ball. Think like it, it just, was superb. They're just yeah, it's it's definitely off the training ground. They've identified that yeah. from a counter attack point of view, and it would have been called. There's the counter attack inside ball. The the person around the guard over chases or no one no one plugs from the far side. It's just they're just smart. They're a really smart team, and. A lot of it, I think, comes down to their speed of ball is outrageous. So the yeah. nines they have, the ability to move that ball at that pace, you just can't you can't live with it. It doesn't matter how good your defence is. If, if the speed of ball is that fast, you're never going to get set. You're never going to get off the line. You're never going to get double shots to slow the ball down. I think Ireland have really taken their game up a level, and I think they will be contenders for the World Cup. No yeah, like that's, that's such a strength of Craig Casey's game. And I think... Connor Murray once again seriously impressive. Like I, I didn't think that he had those performances in him, especially like if you sort of have read anything about the week personally that Connor Murray would have had last week it, to come out. We were talking about the sort of mental side of things with these Welsh players to come out and to play in that game at all, but to come out and put in the performance that he put in. I think he's been running these games really, really well for Ireland in a way that I think a lot of people would have written him off that he wasn't he was past that and he's not able to do that anymore. Like I say, just across the board, really, really impressive stuff. Like O'Mahony is such an integral part of this Ireland team now. And 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 I'm I'm gonna take any opportunity to sort of shout out Peter O'Mahony as we all know, but it's like he what he's doing is so important to, to Ireland at the moment, I feel like. And apart from like I say, apart from the Tigburn injury, that's kind of the only negative part for Ireland and Munster. It's not, you know, he's he's such a key part of any team that he plays in. You know, a player that special is that absence is going to be felt whichever team it's for. But yeah, like it's like just really, really, it they surprised me. I think Ireland did, um, but in a good way. Like I would never have shouted them out for the the Grand Slam before this tournament, but at this point. I feel like it probably is theirs to lose. Never mind shouting out for a Grand Slam. You haven't picked them in the first two rounds of predictions. And one of those teams included <laughs> Wales, who ended up performing going into this tournament. Yeah, I know. I, Where I can't, is like, the Ireland-Scotland game? Is it in Murrayfield? Or... It is in Murrayfield, yeah. That's 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 exactly... I think that's going to be such a massive game. Like, was that If that game was in Dublin, you would sort of think, okay that might get Ireland over the line. But that game being in Murrayfield definitely makes me look at it as a kind of a, well, you, you know what, that could be... I wouldn't put that past Scotland at all, to be honest. That's that's not the next game, it's the one after. 
um, and then Ireland have England on the last day. But yeah, I thought it was a super performance from Ireland, like the best. And and it gets that sort of psychological thing gone for them because they hadn't beaten this France team. They'd never beaten the Galtier Edwards France. So I think going into a World Cup that's being held in France where you're very likely to play France in the quarterfinals, even just psychologically knowing that you can beat that France and you have done it this year is is massive. Like it was, yeah, it was a really great start to the afternoon, I'll be honest, on Saturday. Well, you said about um, the French team looked nervous. I think the way Sean Edwards was stalking that touchline, I would have been nervous as well if I was <laughs> missing that many tackles. Yeah, like, on Monday morning, oh, that would have been, that would have been horrible. Well, all the talk of the build-up was about, oh, they've had a difficult week and then Sean Edwards really put into their paces. And, and I thought, ah, oh, they, they, they've got a second week coming. They are, there's no waffles this week. This is, <laughs> this is serious stuff. Uh, suddenly, Georgia in the COVID Cup seems a long way away, Patricia. This is... This is a proper idea. Do you remember now. how horrific that game was? Unfortunately, I do. It was one of the worst <laughs> games I've watched. And genuinely, I can't remember a first half of a Six Nations game as good as that one on Saturday. That, I will that, say, though, James Lowe's foot was definitely fucking on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just was. This was going to be one of my questions. Other than, is Dupont superhuman for his tackle on Mark Hansen? Because I still can't work out how exactly... I don't understand... The laws of gravity, physics, any how like well, it what? completely ceased to exist on Saturday because James Lowe, whether even if his foot did touch the ground, did some matrix shit to make it look like it didn't. Because I, I will I, say, if he had proper elite test winger pace, he wouldn't have had to jump. He would have just got there in time. Like if he wasn't so fucking slow. But anyway, but his foot was definitely on the ground. I like it. Ultimately, didn't matter. It's not like like if Ireland had won this game by like four points, you'd be thinking, "Oh no, his foot was was on the ground." It was very uh, French TV director of whoever was on the cameras yeah, or really to to hide that back <laughs> angle from everyone. But um, yeah, like it was a, obviously it was a super finish. But but Antoine Dupont, like what what is going on there? He's such a weirdly proportioned human being in that he's small but also massive. <laughs> and and I just like he's so the strength in him. He's like a he's like a cube. Like it's so weird watching him do stuff like that. It's like you shouldn't physically be able to do that. Yeah. But yet there he is. I I always think that with Josh Navidi with Wales. I always think Navidi's always like he looks squat and strong as hell, and he's not quite a cube because he's a V as well. So he, but Dupont is something else. Like this, it, it does feel like there's nothing he can't do. Someone did reply to me on Saturday and say, "Change a light bulb." Which I kind of like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like that that tackle was insane. And no matter how much you look at it, you think like, that's a an international winger that he, he's. Just, how just... did he not just reach and put the ball down? And it's like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah, I don't know how he did it. It's like something it's from a cartoon. You know, so like when someone's trying to run away and they're just sort of holding them in place. Like, oh, yeah, like it was. Mad. Uh, the other question for you, Patricia. Uh, Antonio on Saturday. Was it a red? Should it have been? Was it a yellow? What are we saying? Um, I watched the game. I was actually in the pub on Saturday. It's very unusual for me. I <laughs> so went you can't out. remember. I w- no, I wasn't drinking. No, I wasn't drinking. But I was, <laughs> but I was out of the house watching the game. Um, and on first view, like live, I thought, what a fucking hit! Like that's great. Then when they started showing the replays of it, I kind of thought, 
mm, okay, that might be a bit borderline. I have a problem with when they show the sort of reverse angle. I don't think that tells anyone anything because you could hit someone sort of on their chest and their head could reverb back like that. Like, because essentially, if you look at Winnie Antonio, that's like Rob Heron getting hit by a van. Like if you got hit by a van, your head's going to snap back a little bit. Um, the more I looked at it, the more I thought, yeah, I think that probably is a red. When they showed the angle that shows his shoulder quite clearly going into Herring's head. And obviously Herring was completely like he was staggering and everything like that. And he didn't come back on afterwards. Um, I think it probably should have been. And I think, I guess the ban reflects that. Yeah, it was a weird one that they say uh, it's a low level of danger. But I think Antonio hitting anyone is never we a low level it. of danger. We, we Googled it in the pub, like watching it happen because they said low degree of danger. We Antonio was 145 kilograms. Like, I don't think You're there's any man. low level of danger being hit by a running, like being hit by a rhino. Yeah, he's, he's humongous. He really is. But as we've said, Danny Cipriano could ride that tackle because he got it by a double deck of bus and one. So, um, <laughs> it, um yeah, a, a red for me as well. But I agree with you. They always show that one angle first, which only see maybe it's because whoever was on the video that didn't show the <laughs> angle of the James Lowe try because it seemed to like rile the crowd up a little bit with our first angle you, you can't see it makes it look that. it always makes them look really bad even yeah, when they're fine and i think that that one probably was a red card but that angle is not conducive to i think any decision being made in hits like that it always makes them look worse and it, it just serves for the crowd to be like oh he fucking bottled that ref like <laughs> yeah maybe that's maybe that's kind of true but it, that doesn't help things i don't think um and so I've got to ask you the question. I know we're only two games in. Is this Ireland's Grand Slam year? I don't fucking know. Probably. Like that's not an answer, is it? <laughs> the problem is now is that I really want Scotland to do it. <laughs> I've never known an Ireland fan be so <laughs> anti an Ireland win. I'm not anti Ireland. I, I really like Ireland. Well, yeah. Um <laughs> maybe I am. Uh, I think... Yeah, because when you play Italy now, you'd be like, oh, I wouldn't be sad if Italy win this. Well, no, I wouldn't be. Can you imagine if Italy <laughs> beat Ireland? It'd be unreal. Um, no, I think that Ireland are certainly have to be considered the forerunners for this tournament at this point. And I think that they are not going to win the tournament without winning the Grand Slam. So if it's to be Ireland's year, then it'll be a Grand Slam. And I think that... I don't see any reason why it couldn't be. I think they're definitely they're certainly good enough to go to Murrayfield and beat Scotland, and Scotland are also good enough to stop Ireland from winning there. So I think that's not that's also not an answer. I just didn't answer the no. question. Have you considered gonna, this year in politics? I'm say <laughs> like, can I say maybe? Like I don't know. Uh, I I well, can't see in the future. Who knows? Maybe Wales will win this tournament. <laughs> like something crazy might happen. You say maybe Wales will win it. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I, I will put any amount of money on it now, but that is not going to happen. Um, shall we move on then while you're desperately flounder on whether Ireland are going to win? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, 
Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Uh, to the last game of the weekend, which I'm really struggling to find too much to say about, which is often the case when Italy lose, because we wax lyrical on you when Italy either win or come close to winning. But when they lose, it's always difficult to pick things from the road. The only thing I, like, I said is so efficient, Greta Thunberg would be impressed because <laughs> that, that's the only thing I can take out that England performance. It was just... This game was made me lose the will to live. Like, I just wanted <laughs> it to be finished. I just didn't want to be watching it. Um, England, Italy is still just the sort of ultimate outlier of the Six Nations, it feels like, because both of those teams were poor... Um, and I think that the scoreline is probably harsh. It's the same things we say every year. I felt like it was better from the point of view of even though Italy were poor, England weren't really able to sort of flat track bully them in the way that they have done in previous years. It's had that sort of vibe that these performances always have these England-Italy games, but score-wise... Italy kept it down like England scored one quite close to the end but other than that like Italy always had a sniff even a small one but other than that it was just it was shit like I just didn't want to watch it anymore and there was just there was just nothing happening in it Aaron can you bring anything that's not just sort of I didn't watch it <laughs> no I didn't watch it no. um Apologies, I was uh, my my kids have rugby on Sunday, so you missed uh, nothing. Rugby with them on a Sunday morning, and I'm not watching more rugby when I get home. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> well, I'll that's I'll be enough. completely honest as well. Then while we're doing this confession, that um, I also coached uh, junior rugby on Sunday, and then this game was on the same time as Leeds Man U. Uh, and I'm a Leeds fan, so I kind of half watched it, and then by the time uh, the second half came on, I thought I don't know if I can really be bothered. So I, I watched it a bit. I mean, BT Sport will be on this week. I'm guessing Jack Willis is the best player in the world again now because he, sure. he's come back and scored. So that, that's something. The only the only thing I thought about this game is that it doesn't matter whether Owen Farrell plays 10 or 12. He's just really good and England are better when he's playing. It made no difference to... Like, Marcus Smith wasn't the problem. Owen Farrell is the solution. Like, you could play him outside a fucking... Tactus, like it, it doesn't matter. He's he's just so good. Um, like I don't think that they gained anything from dropping Smith. Uh, Ollie Lawrence was very good, but I don't know that Ollie Lawrence couldn't be that good, sort of outside of Farrell with you know either Smith or Ford eventually back in in a ten. It was, it, look, it was certainly a game of rugby that was played on Sunday, and I think that that that's <laughs> probably the the main thing that can be said about it. Well, am I the only one? If you've got two great tens, you don't need them to be on the pitch at the same time because you can make that switch at some point. And the best and it, teams yeah. are the ones that can make those changes and get you over the line. They're also very different. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're like you want to chase a game, you you put Marcus Smith on. If you're chasing a game, you get him on and play. Yeah. If you want to play that calculated kicking game, defend, nothing in your own half. Um, then Owen Farrell has to start. Like Marcus Smith's not your fly after that game plan, but have him on the bench where he can just flip the game plan, and you you know you're gonna you're gonna play a bit more attacking rugby. I think England are maybe having a bit of the 
I mean, problem is not the right word because wouldn't we all love to have a problem like that? But it's sort of the same issue that New Zealand are having with Bowden Barrett, where it's like this player is so good that we want him on the pitch, even if he's not playing in the position we would ultimately like him to be in. So the way that they move Bowden Barrett to fullback is kind of what England are doing with Farrell at 12. And Farrell is a good enough player that it doesn't matter what number he's wearing, he's running that game. And I think that him running it with Marcus Smith inside him just gives you those extra attacking opportunities. And I, I don't know, I don't know if it was the right game to, to change it. Um, I don't know if it, if it necessarily is something that they will stick with in in the long term. I don't think that it made a massive material difference. It didn't. It certainly didn't automatically magically improve everything like people thought it might. Um. I just, I just think that Owen Farrell is so good that it almost doesn't matter. Like you could put him in the second row and things would be broadly fine. He could start at hooker. Like, it, like I just think he's, he's so important to that England team, whether it's at ten or twelve. I think that he's the having him on the pitch is the key as opposed to not having Smith there. If that makes sense. If if you were to play, say Smith at ten, Farrell at twelve, who would you play at thirteen? I really like Dolly Lawrence. So you'd move him to thirteen, and you'd yeah. drop Henry Slade. Yeah, but then that's like I get, and that's the other side of it is that like there are good, there are obviously good players there. You can't pick everyone. I would like to see. I like the idea of Smith, Farrell, Lawrence, or Ford, Farrell, Lawrence, like one one of those. Um, I don't think you play Slade with those two. You you need a ball carrier, so you'd, I think you'd have to play Lawrence. If you want to play yeah, those. and I like the idea of that three. I think that when they've fallen into the trap of when people start saying that the, you know, Smith Farrell or Ford Farrell thing isn't working is when you don't have that big centre because Owen Farrell is not that player for that England team. So I I like the idea of seeing him with Lawrence. I kind of hoped that they would bring Marcus Smith on earlier in the game than that they did. I thought that it would have made sense to bring him on maybe even at half time and have half the game where he's on the pitch without Farrell because we see Farrell play at 10 without Smith, but it feels as though whenever we see Smith play, it will be with Farrell outside him. And that's sort of the same thing that happened in this game. So it might've made more sense to let Smith be the 10 without Farrell being the 12 for a while, which they obviously didn't do. But I think that like, you know, England are not, England have their problems running through that team as well. I just think that fundamentally, if they have Owen Farrell there, everything is like at least 60% better than it would be without him. Like, I think that he's the key to it more than whoever you put around him. I, I think maybe it's because I've been sort of stunned as a Welshman, which, you know, th- th- it's weird. I'll off right and crow while they do almost every conversation we have about rugby. <laughs> but that, the times that I felt happiest with the way Wales are progressing is when we've had sort of Stephen Jones and James Hook. Um, you can rotate us. So we're not trying to put hooky wherever we can put him because he's got that ability. But actually, going well, he's a really good ten. So either we start with him or we bring him off the bench. And then, as you said, you've got two different options. And then we did the same thing with Bigger and Anscom. We go, okay, we can either throw it around and start with Anscom, and then Bigger comes in and sees that game off, or we keep it tight, we keep it there, and then if we need to do something special in the last twenty minutes, then we've got a creator. And I, I, I think that's like a really good option, and people. Are, I don't understand why you'd go right. Let's just try and crowbar two players onto the pitch because they work together. I I don't think that oh because they're good because I don't think that often works together. Just be grateful that you've got tens for eighty minutes who are 
world class tens. Like that's a really yeah. good option to have. Yeah. They're very um, yeah, very lucky to have those options. Yeah, and I, 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 for some reason, people seem to really underrate that. I just wonder, well, let's just try and get them on the because you never. There's very rare you get keep your same ten on for eighty minutes, unless you're doing this fanny on thing where you pick two. Especially if you're Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you've had the same time for eighty years. Never mind eighty minutes. <laughs> I think I think they do a really good job of looking after him now. Yeah. Just get it once the game's won, get him off. You need him for the World Cup. You, you need to look after well, apparent, apparently he's injured now anyway. So we because Jack Curley hasn't been released back to Munster to play this weekend. So look, we might see Joey Carberry in Ireland squad yet. Who knows? Well, all the if, all the JCs. If Ben Healy doesn't get a Scotland calf, maybe Ireland will call him back <laughs> into their squad. Um, I take it we've got nothing else to add on England, Italy, especially me and Aaron. So we'll move on to. <laughs> our winners and wankers for the week. Um, as always, we'll start with wankers so we can finish on high. So, Patricia, who's, uh, go on, Aaron, I'll, I'll throw to you first. Who's your wankers for this week? It's not hard as it's the whole WRU situation with everything <laughs> we're probably like. Oh, we might all be saying the same a, thing today. Oh, it really is. Patricia, if you've gone for that as well, I can say it is a full house because I, I can't see anyone else that it can be other than the WRU. And it does yeah. feel like an evergreen wanker because it's been forever that we've picked them. Seeing the article, I mean, it's so bad, I read a Daily Mail article. That's how, how dire things are at the moment. There's not many things that can make me click a link. But to see the things that they told me, I say, like players sort of talking openly about, about depression and the fact that they, they're on antidepressants and that they say they, they can't get a mortgage and we don't know where our future is. And it's a crazy state of affairs for a national sport and we can say about the money not being in the game and you know it is kind of a niche sport when you compare it to football it, it's not got that level of income but people are not short in this game you know the, you're looking at ceos at the top of the wru they're, they're not struggling to count in pennies themselves the money is there We've just ploughed money into a new hotel. We're ploughing money left, right, and centre into things that, that suit those people. We can certainly put something in place for the long-term stability of the game better than this. Like, it, yeah. it's absolutely shocking that this is the path. We, and not even just the path that we've come down, but sort of that we've let it get you. Like, we've not stepped in and done something before now. It, it's madness. I think we can't say enough that if the players do decide to go on strike, well, I think like I certainly stand behind them doing that and all the power in the world to them. And I think that it's though it's a way for them to get the WRU to sit up and take notice if it's going to start costing them money and, and reputation and things like that. All the power in the world to them. And I and I hope that they do decide to do that, to be honest, because I think it's it's reached a point now where there needs to be some sort of action because it's not going to come otherwise for the from the WRU. So, I think it'll be an absolute. I don't. I think it'll be an absolute last resort for them to strike. But mm. I hope they do. If they if they really feel like they have to, I really hope they do. Because nothing's yeah. going to change. Yeah, nothing will change. So and, yeah, I I hope if they have to, I hope they do, and I hope they all do it and they stick together, and hopefully they will force a change through. And I think it shows sort of how bad things are at the moment because strikes during Six Nations have been talked about in the past as well. 
But the fact that public opinion this time seems to be so heavily weighed in favour of players going on strike shows exactly how much everybody's fed up with this, like how ridiculous yeah. the situation is. Do you think that if the Welsh squad went on strike, they'd try and field a team like when um, all those Cardiff players had COVID in South Africa and they'd call like Dan Fish and stuff and ask him if he'd come and play a game? Well, I'm a big fan of the um, American football film The Replacements. So that's what I want to see. I want to see Reese Evans kicking for goal. Reese Evans at 10 is is now my dream. They'll just get a 15 of like Welsh people, not necessarily yeah. rugby players, like just Welsh people. Yeah. Like, we'll Interesting. I mean, Gareth Bale's free. He's all right. He can, he can have a shot at goal. Yeah, I'm on the something. wing. Maybe five minutes. Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of people like, what's Joe Calzaghi doing nowadays? If you can break up former athletes and try and fit them into a rugby environment, just like in the replacements, I'm more than happy for it. Let's go for if it. They ra- if they rang you up and asked if you wanted a game, would you do it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd get killed within minutes. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've played one game in the past, like, 10 months. I'd... <laughs> That was that was sort of rolling subs because I'm at that level at the moment since since <laughs> COVID. But yeah, I'll give it a go. I mean, what 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 can go wrong? I mean, she would. We'll be fine. <laughs> um, and then I, I'm gonna. I keep saying about Netflix. Well, that's the one I'm pitching to Netflix next. We need a replacement <laughs> style Welsh. Rugby. We need an we need an in at Netflix. I think is what we, we really need yeah, because it's gonna be someone. There's gold coming out of us every week and <laughs> absolutely nothing from them. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, and then our winners for this week. So who's your winner, Aaron? Ooh. It's got to be Ireland, isn't it? In terms Ireland. of rugby, it has to be Ireland. Did... To, to, to dispatch France like that. Yeah, it's got to be Ireland this week. And Patricia didn't even back them. Didn't even back them to win. In fairness, France are reigning Grand Slam champions. It's not exactly outlandish. Like the Wales one was a lot more sort of discrediting (laughs) for me than than saying that I thought France were going to beat Ireland. I don't think anyone was raising an eyebrow at that. Um, My winner is Antoine Dupont, even though he quite literally wasn't. Like he did actually lose that game with France. But um, I just think that he is, you know, we sort of wax lyrical about everyone and and things like that. But he's so much. He's almost. He's almost more than rugby at this point. Like he's such a special player, and just like you know the way people talk about sort of iconic players from like the seventies and stuff, like the, the that Welsh team from the seventies. And it's like okay, fine. You know, you you were there and we weren't. Like we get it. Like that's how we're going to talk about Antoine Dupont in. 50 years time when people are still talking about him and we're the ones who got to sort of watch him and be there while he was playing and I just like that tackle even even not just that tackle just everything just every time he has the ball you just think you know he's doing something else he's thinking on a different level to everyone else on the pitch and I just love him that weird shaped little cube man he just he's just the best <laughs> I, so I, Antoine I, Devant. 
absolutely phenomenal. They say every time he touches the ball, and then on Saturday, even when he didn't touch the ball, when someone else did, he's still influencing games. Like yeah. I, I agree. He is. Is he going to be our generation's Gareth Edwards? <laughs> is he going to have a statue outside whatever the French Clinton's cards is in a in a shopping <laughs> centre somewhere? It, that, that's the future for Antoine Dupont. Um, Did Gareth Edwards ever wear a big yellow dressing gown? <laughs> I, I, I can't see it myself, I'll be honest. <laughs> I reckon Barry John probably did, though. He seems like the guy who would. <laughs> um, I've gone for another nine. I've gone for Conor Murray just because yeah. of the week that he's had. To, to train through that, turn up, play through that, and put in the performance that he did. And I say, with people sort of writing him off before the tournament's even started, I'm mm. sure he's not that bothered about sticking two fingers up at them because, like, it, for him, that's that's not what it's about. But if he wanted to, fuck me, he could. Like, the, the performances he's put in for Ireland. And we talk about Casey coming off a bench. And again, it's, it's that edge. When you've got two nines like that, it makes your, your job a whole lot easier, especially as a coach to go out. I'm quite happy with either option that I've got. And I can mix them and match them and... He's yeah. really putting in performances. I, I thought he had, let's say, to, to end the week like that on it, having that, all that hanging over you, all that stuff happening in your personal life, to leave all that in a dressing room, turn up and put in a performance on Saturday was superb. Yeah, like I honestly think that, um, and you know, like the, the you always get the cynical people who are like, well, it's his job and he's, you know, a hundred and test, 110 test cap international, whatever like that. But it's, I mean, I would defy anyone to sort of have a week like that and, not only show up and go out to play, but play well. Like you could have forgiven him having an like an absolute yeah. howler because obviously he's it's probably impossible to think about, you know, the game in front of you and like the to try and focus in on it as much as you can because it's that's what you're doing in that moment. But I like he will go under the radar. But I think for me he's been one of the players of the tournament so far. Like I think he's been really, really he was outstanding against Wales, I thought. And look, you know, you can caveat the opposition. Um but I thought again here he showed up really, really well in this game, and I'm delighted to see it, and and delighted for him, and yeah, absolutely couldn't agree more. I people who do say, well, it's his job, like that, but that's exactly the point, isn't it? Because if you have a shit week at home, you go into work. Sometimes you have a bad day at work because you carry that stuff with you, and that's or you call without... in sick, like you yeah. take a personal day, and people don't expect that rugby players would or could do that. But I don't I... think that anyone would have been surprised if he yeah. hadn't showed up to play that game. I, I won't go into what my job is, but when I turn up to my job in the morning at like eight o'clock, there's not ten thousand that uh, tens of thousands of people waiting for me, and then millions <laughs> of people in the house watching. Like if I have a bad day at work, it, it affects like the people that I work with and me. It doesn't affect like I haven't got people there booing me fucking ticking a wrong box or, or <laughs> talking to the wrong person. It's just the fact that that is his job is exactly it. He turns up and does it so fucking immaculately where some people wouldn't, some people couldn't. And that's yeah. not bad. Like that's not a slight on them. That's being a human. It's superb. It's something else. Absolutely excellent for me this week. And unless there's anything else from you guys, that's just about it from us. So oh. that's all that's left is for me to say my thank you. So thank you as always, Patricia, for coming on. Thanks, oh, I, I'm still saying um... coming on. Like you, you're not here every week now. Like you're not co-presenting <laughs> with me. I still treating you like a guest, even though as you tell me now, this is now your podcast. Like so... I haven't shown up more over the last few months than you have. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, all right. <laughs> I'll be sure to let everyone know next week how I got on with um being in the same space as Reese Henry, which is what I'm doing on Friday night. So we'll have you know we'll have updates next week. I'm sure. I, I want live Twitter updates if you if your Wi-Fi is good enough in in Tormund Park. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for joining us. Absolutely superb guest. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's been a joy. And finally, thanks to you for listening. Cheers all. Bye now. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us, not just you, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.